Today, we're continuing our teaching series, Stories of Transformation, in which we've been learning from both parables of Jesus and personal stories from each of our staff. God has a way of using stories to reveal something true and beautiful about who he is and what he does in us, among us, and through us. In the parables of Jesus, and in these stories we share with each other, we catch a glimpse of what God's kingdom is like and get to hear and to really be reminded of his incredible work of renewal in our very midst. That God is here and working and making all things new. This morning, we will be hearing a story from our lead pastor, John Riemenschneider. John is a Bay Area native, a graduate of Homestead High School and UC Davis. He co-founded Highway over 20 years ago. Over that time, he and his wife, Lynn, have also raised four children, Kyle, Trevor, Blake, and Shelby. Many of you may know that John is a proud coffee geek. He was active on the Coffee Geek forums back in the early 2000s. He has a roaster in his garage, and an espresso machine on his kitchen counter, and he also serves as an advisor to Red Rock Coffee. You may not know that he is also a proud board game geek and keeps a pulse on BoardGameGeek.com for hot new releases and also backs many Kickstarters from indie developers. John won't rub it in, but he was a Manchester City fan since before they started winning championships. He also has one of the best out loud laughs you'll ever hear. John invests deeply and passionately in his family, this community, and in all of his hobbies. We're blessed to have him as a leader, and I'm blessed to call him a dear friend. I look forward to what he has to share with us this morning. Without further ado, here's John. Good morning, everyone. Well, I don't know about all of you, but I have really enjoyed this series this summer. In addition to being a window into our souls, our stories are also a powerful testimony of God's presence with us and his work in us, through us, and among us. And I am very grateful for the opportunity to share a part of my own story and how God has been forming me with all of you this morning. Four months ago, on Monday morning, April 19th, I woke up to a text message that would dramatically alter the course of things in ways that I would have never imagined or anticipated. The text was from one of my older brothers, who was telling me that he was hospitalized in Modesto. He had called 911 the night before, after feeling poorly all day. And his trip to the emergency room at the small hospital in Sonora had revealed that he had suffered a heart attack. And so he was transported to Modesto, where they had a cardiology unit, and was scheduled to undergo a heart catheterization procedure the next morning. Well, little did either of us know at that time that that was going to be the first of 32 days in the hospital for my brother, and the first of 32 days for me as well as his nearest family member. Those 32 days were filled with so many highs and lows, so many ups and downs, 
so many moments of fear and hope, so many moments of sheer uncertainty. And it was a deeply spiritual experience for me on many, many levels. And as you might imagine, uh, there are a lot of stories that I could share from all of this. But I wanted to share a story from the end of this journey that I think captures some of how God has shaped me and is continuing to shape me through the experience. It was day 30 of the journey. And just for some background, uh, after being admitted to the hospital in Modesto on that Monday night in mid-April, my brother had suffered a stroke. He'd spent a week and a half recovering from that stroke and was on the brink of being discharged when he suffered another heart attack, this time a major one, and then effectively had to start his rehabilitation all over again. And suffice it to say, uh, there were many, many times that were pretty dicey following that second heart attack. But nevertheless, amazingly, on day 30, you know, my brother was well on his way to coming back. He had relearned how to swallow. He was eating. He was crushing physical therapy. And this finally was going to be discharge week. Finally, it was time for my brother to get out of the hospital. And it was also time for me to get out of Modesto, and even more importantly, perhaps out of the Best Western Palm Court Inn, which had become my home away from home. And so as I woke up and headed to the hospital that day, I definitely had an extra spring in my step that I had not had for some time. Now, the plan, that since my brother had had his stroke early on in his hospital stay, had been to relocate him to the Bay Area for his post-discharge rehabilitation and recovery. And that was the course that we were on here in this final week. But when I arrived that morning and connected with the case manager, I learned that transferring my brother was not going to be easy. Because over the course of the preceding several days, my brother had apparently improved so much that he was definitely not going to qualify for an acute rehab program and probably was not going to qualify even for a transfer to a skilled nursing facility. And this, for me, was just unconscionable after everything that he had been through. I mean, he was doing well, relatively speaking, but he was nowhere near ready to go home. But apparently... What I learned was that insurance companies look almost exclusively at physical therapy performance to make decisions about aftercare. And so despite my brother's speech and occupational therapy needs, it was looking like he was not going to qualify for the help that he needed because of how many steps he could walk. Regardless of the fact that those steps required a physical therapist and a walker, he was walking too far. Well, thankfully, after a long day of advocacy, I received some good news. My brother had been accepted at a skilled nursing center in Sunnyvale, pending insurance approval, which could take anywhere from hours to days. Well, the rest of that day passed, and then the next day, while I was downstairs having lunch, I got a call from the case manager. 
the insurance company had approved my brother's transfer and they were going to get working on his discharge right away. And I was so elated and grateful and relieved and excited to finally be leaving Modesto. So I headed upstairs to my brother's room, texting the good news to family and friends as fast as I could. But no sooner did I arrive at my brother's room and announced to him that we were leaving than the case manager walked in with an update. Now, we had indeed been accepted by the skilled nursing facility, and we had indeed been approved by the insurance company, but there was no bed available at the moment at the skilled nursing facility. And so, you know, just kidding, we were not going to be leaving that day. It was going to be the next day at least, and maybe even longer. And, you know, it's hard to even describe how devastating that news was for me personally in that moment. I mean, I had already physically checked out of the Best Western Palm Court Inn earlier that morning. But even more significantly, I had emotionally checked out as well. You know, I had emotionally left Modesto. I was gone. And I knew as I received that news that it was it was not good for my soul to stay. You know, I needed to go home. I needed to see Lynn and the kids. I needed to sleep in my own bed. I, I just did not have it in me to go back to the Best Western. And so I decided at that point that I could just commute back and forth for however long it took. And that's what I did. And so after a night home with my family, I woke up the next morning, Wednesday, and headed off early for Modesto. Now, over the course of the previous four and a half weeks, my brother and I had been all over Doctor's Medical Center. But he had spent the last two and a half weeks in the same room on the second floor. And during my countless trips up and down the hallways for those two and a half weeks, there was a nurse that I had seen many times who had always impressed me. She was always popping in and out of the rooms that she was assigned to. And from my sort of cursory observations going up and down the hall, she just seemed very attentive. And it was interesting, despite the fact that we had had a different nurse for the day shift every day except for one because of the way that they do the rotations at Doctors Medical Center, somehow we had never had this particular nurse. And so when I arrived that Wednesday morning and walked into my brother's room, guess who our nurse was? She uh, introduced herself briefly to me. Her name was Stephanie. She introduced herself to me when, when I arrived before she stepped out, but she had already introduced herself to my brother and told him how excited she was to get to be his nurse that day and to get to be a part of his story, which, as you might imagine, left quite an impression on him. And so it was immediately apparent as I arrived that morning that what I had observed about this nurse was true. We were in the presence of a special person. 
And that was a great start to this day. Well, during our stay in the hospital, uh, one of my brother's occupational therapists had made a connection with him around his love for music and playing guitar. And inspired by that, she had actually brought in her own guitar the week before, thinking that it would be really good for my brother to play, right? both because of how therapeutic music can be and because of the dexterity work that, that comes with playing. What she didn't know, however, and, and what she really couldn't have known, is that my brother plays left-handed, and her guitar was right-handed. And so when she brought it, my brother wasn't really able to play it. But that didn't really matter to him. He was, he was really moved by her thoughtfulness. But the occupational therapist nevertheless felt bad because things didn't really turn out like she had envisioned. Well, on this Wednesday morning, she stopped by early and told my brother that she had a surprise for him and would be back. And when she returned, she had, you guessed it, a left-handed guitar. Apparently, the week before, when she had been carrying her guitar around the hospital, a nurse had seen her and said that she had a guitar at home that she never used and was wondering if it could be it could have a use at the hospital. And so my brother's occupational therapist collected it from the nurse a couple of days later and then had a friend restring it as a left-handed guitar so that my brother could play it. And then as if that wasn't enough, she said she brought her other guitar too so that my brother and I could play together. And when she left to get that guitar... Uh, our nurse, Stephanie, said that she loved music and asked if we would mind if she rolled her computer cart into the room and listened while she did her charting, if, if she promised not to make a peep. And of course, we said, absolutely, you can. Well, after the occupational therapist dropped off that second guitar, two of our other former nurses, Virginia and Christina, who had taken care of my brother over the previous weekend, they appeared in the room and asked if they could listen for a bit too, which they did. And then after they left, Stephanie closed the door and we just played guitar. And I'm using the word played there very liberally, right? My brother was finding his chords and, and strumming very simply. And I was just mirroring whatever chord he was playing with a simple strum. But, but it was beautiful nonetheless, and such an incredible moment. In fact, at one point as we were playing, I told my brother that you know, for all of the times that we had played guitar together over the years, this was my favorite. And so we sat and we played. We talked about music with Stephanie, right? favorite bands, favorite concerts and the like, for some time, when there was a knock at the door, and in walked my brother's cardiologist, Dr. Lutter, who we had first met 32 days before when my brother was first admitted. He was here again for his daily visit. And when he walked in, you know, he had this look of just disbelief on his face. You know, there was my brother 
sitting in the chair next to the hospital bed with a guitar in his lap. I was sitting in a chair with a guitar. The nurse was in the room, you know, charting away on her computer. And Dr. Lutter said that he had never walked into a hospital room and seen anything like that ever before. And when he left after checking on my brother and visiting with him, I looked at the clock and it was already 1130, fastest morning ever. And then 30 minutes later, the case manager walked in with the news that a bed had become available and that this would indeed be our last day. Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9 say, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, my plan, remember, was to leave the day before. And I was so distraught when that didn't happen. But thankfully, God had a different plan. Because had things gone according to my plan, right after 31 days in the hospital, my brother would have slipped out the side door in the late afternoon and we would have missed everything that we had just experienced that morning. Which, you know, out of all the things over those 32 days, has in many ways left the sweetest and most indelible impression. And as, as I've been sitting with this experience over the last few months now, one of the things that I have realized about myself is the tendency that I have to want to just forge through things and be finished with them. But how eager I am to get through and move on and just be on the other side of whatever I'm facing. And especially this is true when what I'm facing, when what I'm facing is difficult and I'm sure that some of you can, can probably relate to that as well. But as I've continued to reflect on that, you know, it's interesting. There's a sense in which I have seen that posture of moving on and, and forging through and getting to the other side. There's a sense in which I've seen that as the spiritual thing to do in some respect. You know, one of the verses that is often referenced when we're experiencing difficult circumstances is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And, you know, for me, you know, the implication from that verse, when it's when it is offered as hope and encouragement in the midst of difficulty— for me, the implication always has been that, that God is going to use whatever it is that you're going through right now for good. And we don't have the full picture of what that looks like right now in the midst of things, but it will all make sense 
in the future. Right? And so there's this implication that, that we'll discover the good that God is doing later on the other side. Right? That we'll discover the good that God is doing retrospectively right? after we get through whatever it is that we're experiencing. And while that is certainly true, something that this experience has really attuned me to is that God also has things for us to see and experience right now. He has things that he wants us to see and experience in the moment, in the very midst of whatever it is that we're facing. And I have to confess that as exhilarating as my experience of this last day in the hospital was, it was also very sobering. At my hurry to look beyond the present and, and get on with my own plan, you know, it just made me feel so dense. You know, because for the, for the past month, the entire past month, God had, had been showing me over and over and over again at the real beauty of the present. And through this experience, which was very much day-to-day and, and, and sometimes even hour-to-hour, hour, he had been giving me eyes to see and appreciate and to celebrate the joy of the smallest things of each day. You know, the movement of an eyebrow or the squeeze of a hand. A swallow. You know, the ways that my brother's sense of humor would make me laugh sometimes at the most unexpected of moments. At the kindness and compassion of a nurse or an aide. The, the luxury of a melted and thickened popsicle. You know, and so in my, in my hurry to leave, I, I couldn't help but see myself in the disciples you know, who, who struggled to see and comprehend the things that Jesus was showing them oftentimes repeatedly. Thankfully, you know, as we walk in the presence of our Heavenly Father, He is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. God very much is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And he is doing that right now. He is doing that today, wherever it is that you find yourself. Thank you so much for sharing the gift of your story, John. As we receive that gift, and as we reflect on what God is doing in us this very moment, this very day, this very week, 
May we lean into whatever the Spirit is stirring inside us.